All right. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. And last week, I started a two-part mini-series called Our Purpose in a Shifting World. And I started this series last week speaking of how God has called us to be a people of influence. A people who bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. And my opening scripture was this, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. And I spoke of Daniel, a young man taken captive um, and, uh, and enslaved by the king of Babylon. And I talked about how he and his three mates, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were trained in the business, the education, the culture, and the character of Babylon. And it was highly, highly likely that they were literally trained into the faith practices and the culture practices of Babylon as well. And yet, and yet, all four of them, but in particular Daniel, still found a way to be the person that God created him to be. And he influenced that nation for 70-something years. I mentioned how I was going to be giving us some, a number of standpoints to encourage us to be able to stand firm in our faith and stand firm in our purpose, just as Daniel did. And the first two that I gave you last week were these, that the message of absolute truth may not be popular, but it is still right and it is still important. And the second one I gave you was this, that we can be a people who both stand firm and love well. We don't need to be arrogant. We don't need to be boastful. In actual fact, we should be neither arrogant nor boastful about our faith. The Apostle Paul says that we need to be ready in season and out of season, prepared at all times to give a reason and an answer for our hope. But then he also goes on to say we should do that with grace. Like Daniel, our purpose in a shifting world is to stand firm. But in doing that, we can become catalysts for redemptive change in our time. We can be people of influence who know that our goal, I need you to hear this, our goal is not to be right, but it's to be influential. We're not after prominence, we're after influence. That we can be a people who stand out because of two things. A, Bible says that, that people will know that we are God's disciples by what? our love one for another, but actually we can be a people who stand out because of how we relate to others, especially those who are different to us. We can be a people who serve those in need with a willing spirit and gracious generosity. And we are people who can reflect the loving kindness of a good God. That was a quick wrap up on last week. Before we go anywhere else, come on, can we just lock this in and make this an altar moment? Can we just pray, please? Father God, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for your spirit. Lord, we know, we know by your word that you are present. It says, if two or more gather in your name, you're in our midst. So we know that intellectually. But God, can we know that, please, this morning, experientially? So Lord, we know you're, res you're here, you're resident. But Lord, would you be resonant? Would your word resonate in our heart, in our spirit? Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth and revelation. Would you please come and, and just explode God's word in our mind, fill our heart. Leave us changed forever because of you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we find one of the first mentions of the word purpose in Scripture. Now, for those of you who, are, who, are, who love to study and who love to get into the Word of God and, and get the meat off the bones, there is a theological study term called the law of the first mention. And in the Scriptures, what that literally means is at the first point that this partic- a particular thing is mentioned in the Bible, that literally lays the foundation from which it will grow and build upon, okay? And so one of the first mentions of the word purpose is actually in the book of Exodus. And up to this point, God has been speaking to people one-on-one and individually. But at this point, he changes. See, because up until this point, he'd been talking, he, he would walk with Adam. The scripture says he would walk with Adam. He would talk with Abraham. And he would communicate with the likes of Joseph. He would communicate with him in dreams. But from here at this point, God begins to communicate in a different way. Because what happens is he goes from working on a one-on-one basis and he starts to communicate to an entire nation. He exposes his power to the whole world by what he did with Egypt. And uh, it was really interesting. If uh, I went to a training seminar once where the, the plagues of Egypt, that God, the things that God did on Egypt before the children of Israel were, were rescued from Egypt... The person presenting this had had studied that entire story, not from a Hebrew point of view, but from an Egyptology point of view. And did you know that each and every one of those plagues that God released on Egypt individually targeted and destroyed a god of Egypt? And in in, in in the actual historical timeline, there is a period in the timeline of Egypt where Egypt was a profoundly believing nation because all of their gods had been destroyed and then like humanity like a slowly falling tree but anyway that's a whole nother teaching series and anyway coming back to where I was going God begins to speak to a whole nation so he exposed himself to Egypt and the fact that he was all powerful and he was mighty but he actually literally began to communicate with the Hebrews with the, with, uh, the Israel, Israelites And the reason for this expansion affects us today. God begins to reveal his plan and his purpose for his people. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 16 it says this, But I have spared you for a purpose, to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. Throughout the earth. It's You know, the purpose of God that he speaks of in Exodus is widespread and it's too big for individuals or for one person. It is going to take a team. Now, if I come back to the very first scripture that I used in this whole series, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21, the first part says this, it is God who enables us along with you. And I touched on that last week. It's going to take a team to stand firm for Christ for he has commissioned us. It can only be accomplished by a nation. It can only be accomplished by a people group. And you know what? Even here in Marlborough, this mission, this purpose cannot be accomplished by Elam alone. It needs every single amazing church in this city that believes in Jesus Christ as Lord, born, raised, crucified, buried, raised again, ascended to heaven, having sent the Holy Spirit. It takes every, we know what? We need to unashamedly pray for every church in this city. 
Why? Because we need them healthy and strong and thriving because we can't do it all on our own. That thrills me. That really thrills me. If we look into the book of uh, the accounts of the Acts of the Apostles, so the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 27 through 31, this is what it says. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though actually he's not far from any one of us. For if uh, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we should, think of God, we should not think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Jesus. This purpose is so, so incredibly relevant for today. It's as relevant now as it was in the day that the Bible was written. And you know, this purpose sits upon us. God's purpose for Israel is now our primary purpose. It is for God's name to be proclaimed in all of the earth, bringing glory to God. So here's your next standpoint, your first fresh one for today. God's purpose for us is to bring Him glory. And you know why I'm calling these, stand, these things standpoints? If you look, read it in the book of Ephesians, I think it's in chapter 6 where it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And then it says, there's a line that says, and having done all, stand. And if there's one thing that we're going to get challenged on, is where do you stand? Which is a really bizarre question these days from anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Because there's, I mean, there's an old, there's an old, old hymn. That talks about, um, was it, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other else is shifting sand. And if that, if that description describes the world, that is the one. Everything is shifting sand. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The eternal cornerstone, the bedrock of which all life is built on. So we're, I'm calling these standpoints because actually, you know what? I need you to understand that you can stand. You've got something firm to stand to, to lock your feet on. Really interesting, yesterday, climbing Patriarch with uh, Hamish and Ryan. There were several times, I mean, we're up there, and it's a mountain. You think that thing's going to be pretty solid, huh? Actually, it looks like lightning's hit it about a billion times because there's shattered rock everywhere, and you put your foot down every now and then, it's like... <laughs> I think, oh, that was both fun and terrifying. <laughs> but actually, you know what? Even Jesus is more solid than a mountain. He's more timeless than a mountain. He's more sure than a mountain. Amen? Amen. How this unfolds, how we bring God glory, how this unfolds in and through our lives happens through our unique gifts, our unique talents, and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And glory can be brought to God in a million different ways. But the final goal never changes. We are here to glorify God. 
Our entire lives are about finding God and letting God do a work in and through us to know him and to make him known. And just like Daniel, who ended up living in a decadent, sin-filled, anything-goes world of Babylon, we too can find our purpose in God in this generation, and that is to influence this generation for Christ. Bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into your world. Why? To get a following? No. But to get God a following. Even John the Baptist, one of the greatest preachers ever to walk the face of the planet, even greater than Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke, even he is quoted in the Bible as saying, I must decrease that he, Jesus, would increase. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So here's the next standpoint. On this you can stand firm. It is a privilege to know God and to make him known. Because of the salvation, the forgiveness, and the hope made possible and available through Jesus Christ, we actually can look forward to a future with Him in heaven. However, comma, let's not become so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. Let me say that again. Let us not become so heavenly minded or heavenly focused that we are no earthly good. I mean... I remember my mum saying to me every now and then, for goodness sake, Tommy, get your head out of the clouds. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know that was a loving rebuke because she called me Tommy and not Thomas. <laughs> However, it's easy to forget the benefits of salvation today. When we think of the busyness of what's going on and the, the consistent changing and the uncertainty around what is right or what is wrong, well, actually, in Christ, we know what's right and we know what's wrong, so let's just stand on that. But in that craziness of it all, it's so easy for us, and we can so quickly forget the benefits of our salvation in Jesus Christ. So let me just do a, let's do a, do a quick poll. What are some of the benefits of our salvation in Jesus Christ? Shout it out. Eternity in heaven. Eternity in heaven. Forgiveness of sins. Healing. Peace. Joy. Deliverance. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is good. The abundance of life. Outstanding. This is what the Word of God says in Psalm 103, verses 2 through to verse 5, out of the message translation. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives our sins. Everyone. He heals our diseases. Everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown, and he wraps you in goodness. Oh my goodness. If you want something to stand on that will hold your life firm, here is your next standpoint. We can enjoy the blessings of salvation right now. We can experience Christ's presence in our lives. I want you to get that. You can experience the presence of the living God in your life. 
as we say yes to Jesus and as we yield to his work in us, his power transforms us. His power, his grace, his love, his mercy, his deliverance, his forgiveness. It makes us whole. Because, because of Christ and because Christ gave his entire life for us, we have the privilege of going into God's presence at any time throughout the day or night. I want you to think about that. When you're walking through the soup, if you are neck, if, if you are neck deep in the mud, you can still go into the presence of God. I mean, isn't that just, doesn't that just mess with your head? Lord, I am in so much trouble. Oh, thank you for your peace. I'm still in the middle of the trouble, but thank you for your peace. I'm still walking through the recovery process of sickness, but God, your word says that by your stripes I am healed. God, I feel so alone right now. But God, your word says that you will never leave me or forsake me. God, thank you that you're here. God, I just, I have blown it. I have blown it. How could I ever be saved? But God, your death on the cross, you, you forgive all my sins, everyone. His presence comes. His peace, his love, his mercy comes. And the power of the Holy Spirit lifts us out of that miry clay. It lifts us out of depression. It lifts us out of anxiety. It lifts us out of de desperation. It lifts us out of despondency. It lifts us out of loneliness. It lifts us out of failure. It lifts us out of an incorrect sense of uselessness. And we get to stand on a rock. We get to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. We get to stand firm. You don't have to wait until heaven to talk to God. You can talk to him right now and you can enjoy his presence and his power. And in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the apostle Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Your standpoint is that you have access to God's presence and His power now. <laughs> oh, I've been sitting on this for a wee while. <laughs> People around us are wandering aimlessly through life because they have no real purpose without Jesus. And it's to their undoing. And I, I want to give you the next verse out of a Bible translation I've never read before. This is called, this, this, this Bible translation is the CJB. It's the complete Jewish Bible. And Proverbs chapter 1 verse 32 says this, For the aimless wandering of the thoughtless will kill them, and the smug overconfidence of fools will destroy them. 
I kind of feel like I should have read that when I was a teenager. <coughs> as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, and, and this morning, if, if, if you're in a journey and you don't know whether you do or you don't believe in Jesus, and you're just going, God, are you even real? And, you know, I, I know that... Um, I know that in many recovery courses, and, and some of you guys, will, you'll know this phrase, you know, the, the phrase higher power. Well, I can tell you right now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there is one high power, and his name is Jesus. And the very stuff that I'm talking about this morning, if you are in that place where you're just uncertain, I want to tell you, you can be certain. You can be certain. Oh, I just really sense that there's someone joining us on like right now. You can be certain. I don't know who you are or where you're joining us from this morning, but thank you for the boldness and the courage of jumping on our online this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. But you need to know you can be certain in your calling and your purpose and in life through Jesus Christ. These two things we can be certain of. Number one, God has a plan for us. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 for you know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and for not, not for disaster. They are to give you a future and a hope. That's the first thing. God has a plan for us. The second thing is this, that God's plan is for us to bring him glory with our lives. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 from the Good News Translation. They are my own people. I created them to bring me glory. It's right there in the job description. <laughs> take joy in knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and for the generations to come. This, what we do here, every single generation in this church is absolutely important. Psalm 33 verse 11, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purpose of his heart through all generations. Whoo! Standpoint, next one. We have access to God's plan. Now, I'm just going to kind of change tack a little bit here. And I want to just talk into this whole thing about plans. Because you know what? Plans are important. Absolutely, plans are important. I mean, who here would trust an architect or a builder who rocked up to your section and went, no, I don't have a plan on how to build your house. I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. Has anyone ever been to a surgeon that goes, I have no idea, let's Google it. Would you, st would you stay in that office? How many of you would trust a taxi driver? He said, I, I think I know where the airport is, I'll get you there somehow. I hope it's on time. We wouldn't, would we? Plans are necessary. Let's just own that. Plans are, are important and they are necessary, but... Plans will not get you any further than the start line. What will move you past the start line is not your plans or God's plan even. It's purpose. Purpose moves us on. Plans are fun to talk about and brainstorm, but plans don't get us moving. We need to connect with God's purpose. Proverbs 29 verse 20, Proverbs 19, sorry, verse 21 says this, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I remember as a young fellow in the youth group, I went up to my youth pastor and I, uh, I really sensed the call of God on my life. And, and I said, oh, I'm going to do this and do this and do this and do this. And he stood there with that kind of Yoda look on his face. 
Yeah, and you know, it's, it's like, there is no try, only do. <laughs> you know? And he looked at me and he goes, you know, do you know how to make God laugh, Tom? I said, what's that? He goes, tell him your plans. <laughs> A plan says, here's what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And if you're a really ambitious planner, you might have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. However, purpose works differently. Purpose compels us forward regardless. Purpose is, here's the direction I'm going in. No matter what speed bumps try and stop me, no matter what detours try to derail me, I'm going to keep heading in this direction. When we stubbornly hold on to our plans without acting on them, you know what it can indicate? It can indicate that you're trying to convince everybody else and sometimes even God that yours is the right way. However, when we relentlessly hold on to purpose, we are released to surrender our plans to the highest authority. And step into his purpose. If we find ourselves, and you know what? I, this has been me. I'm, I'm, descri I'm describing a bit of me to you this morning. If we find ourselves stubbornly holding on to our plans and not following the God's, God's purpose, what do we do? What did I need to do? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. <laughs> You'll know this one. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. You know, the Bible, if you want to get a little bit more on the nose, the Bible describes stubbornness equally to witchcraft. Through the, through the word of God, we know we can stand firm in purpose and in that, here's, I'm going to give you the list of standpoints now. This is what we get to stand in. We get to stand the purpose of to carry the message of absolute truth. We get to be a people who will stand firm and love well. To be part of God's purpose. We are empowered by the privilege of knowing God and making Him known. We, having, we get to stand firm in the purpose of having the joy and the blessings of salvation now. Because we have access to God's presence. We have access to God's power. And we have access to God's plan. But there's one more thing. There's one more thing that I need to do with this message before I can wrap it up. And the timer has changed color. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, when it goes red, I'm in trouble. Anyway, um, Mark said he was going to put a zap collar in my mic. Um, <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verses 14. <laughs> verses 14 through 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So I have taught on our purpose in a shifting world last week and this week. But I need to conclude this by giving you three statements. Here's the first one. Our purpose is to bring God glory. Number two, our purpose is to know God and make him known. Number three, you need to be sent. 
But I feel like I want to challenge you going, why are you still sitting there? Because according to the scriptures, you already have been sent. See, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, it says this, We are Christ's ambassadors. I've already used this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So therefore, I now jump into Matthew 28. So let me read these two verses as all one sentence. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Go then to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can tick that box this afternoon. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be all, look at this, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Worship team, please come. You have been both commissioned. How do I know that? Because I go right back to the very first scripture that I used in this series. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. So you have been commissioned and you have been sent. How do I know? Matthew 28. Go then. So I say to you this morning, as you stand, please. And I want to quote the Blues Brothers this morning. Go. You're on a mission for God. <laughs> Hats and glasses and the big Cadillac all thrown in. No, I don't have any Cadillacs for you. But this morning, I need you. I want you. I, I just, I, with every fiber in me, I hope that you get that you are not a mistake. You have got a calling on your life. You've been made on purpose, for a purpose, to bring glory to God, to bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into your world. And you get to do that. And you get to do that without shame because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power unto salvation. And He will be what? With you always, even to the end of the age. Oh man, that should have been a shout hallelujah moment right there. So this morning, maybe there's two things that need to happen. I'll just come up here so I can see everybody. Maybe there's one of two things or two things, three things that need to happen. Number one, I surrender. Maybe you need to surrender your hopes and dreams and your plans to God, your whole life to God. Maybe you need to do it for the first time. Maybe you need to do it again. The second thing, to accept the calling and the purpose that God has for your life and go bring the life, hope and purpose of Jesus into your world the third thing if you've not been baptized see you down at the river